volume two chapters fourteen and fifteen of a strange world by mary elizabeth braddon this librivox recording is in the public domain fourteen for there's no safety in the realm for me it was a dull autumnal afternoon when maurice paid his final visit to the manor-house that brilliant summer which had lasted in all its heat and glory to the end of august and even extended to september had vanished all at once and had given place to a bleak and early autumn stormy winds by night and dull grey skies by day had prevailed of late sad stories of disaster at sea filled many a column in the newspapers to the relief of editors who must needs have had recourse to gigantic gooseberries or revivified the sea serpent but for these catastrophes even the manor-house had a gloomy look under this leaden sky pyramids of scarlet geraniums thickets of many-coloured dahlias lent their gaudy hues to the scene but the lack of sunlight made all dull the gilded vane pointed persistently northeast gardeners and underlings had laboured in vain to keep the paths and lawns clear of dead leaves down they came in a crackling shower with every gust emblems of decay and death maurice clissold sensitive as the poet must ever be to external influences felt depressed by the altered aspect of the place within however all was mirth and brightness there was the usual family group in the hall where a mighty wood-fire blazed in the antique grate with its massive ironwork and two burnished brazen globes on iron standards golden orbs that reflected the ruddy glow of the fire the billiard-players were at work a party of young ladies playing pool industriously under the leadership of mr tresillian j p who was in great force in feminine circles where there was not much strain upon a man's intellect lady cheshunt was in her pet chair by the fire her complexion guarded by a tapestry banner-screen deeply absorbed in that very french novel the iniquity whereof she had seen denounced by the critical journals viola bellingham was working a point lace at a little table by the central window and listening with rather a listless air to sir lewis dallas's discourse neither madge nor her husband was present lady cheshunt closed her novel with a faint sigh leaving a finger between the pages mr clissold was not so interesting as the last and worst of french novelists yet she felt called upon to be civil to him how is mrs penwin he asked when he had shaken hands with and duly informed himself as to the health of the distinguished dowager the poor child is not very well replied her ladyship east wind i suppose i don't think we were created for a world in which the wind is perpetually in the east on such a day as this i always wish myself in the torrid zone the centre of africa anywhere where one could feel the sun to look at that grey sky and those falling leaves is enough to give one the horrors it's as bad as reading young's night thoughts or staying at a country house with goody people who insist upon reading one of blair's sermons aloud on a wet sunday afternoon i hope it is nothing serious said maurice meaning mrs penwin's indisposition oh dear no not in the least she is only a little out of spirits and has been spending the morning in her own room with the baby i dare say she will come down presently i think she worked a little too hard last season giving dinners to all the people mr penwin wanted to conciliate and going everywhere he wished she would make an admirable cabinet minister's wife i tell her so devoted and self-sacrificing and i suppose at the rate mr penwin is going on he is sure to be in the cabinet sooner or later a very wonderful man so serious and self-contained 
a man who never wasted a minute of his life i should think madge entered at this moment a little paler than in the days of old but very beautiful her flowing grey silk dress with broad sash and gimps and fringes of richest violet became her admirably not a jewel or ornament except the single amethyst stud which fastened her plain linen collar and the triple band of diamonds on her wedding finger the plenteous dark hair wound coronet fashion round the small head a woman for a new velasquez to paint just as she stood before maurice to-day in the soft grey light i am so sorry to hear you have been ill he said as they shook hands but you must not be sorry for i was not really ill i was a little tired perhaps a little idle too and i wanted a morning alone with my boy what have you done with churchill lady cheshunt with a little anxious look round the room empty for her lacking that one occupant what have i done with him ejaculated the dowager do you suppose your husband is a man to be kept indoors by any fascinations of mine i should as soon expect to see brutus or cassius or any of those dreadful shakespearean persons in togas playing the tame cat i asked your husband to read aloud to us thinking that might please him most men are proud of their elocution but you should have seen his look of quiet contempt i am so sorry i am too busy to allow myself the pleasure of amusing you he said and then went off to superintend some new plantation of norwegian firs wonderful man you have come to spend the rest of the day with us of course mr clissold said madge with that pleasant cordial manner which was one of her charms and in no wise out of harmony with her somewhat queenly bearing who more delightful than a queenly woman when she desires to please i shall be only too happy if i may and if you will excuse my appearing at dinner in a frock-coat i reserve this day for my visit here it is my last day but one in the west i am so sorry said madge well since we have you for so short a time we must do our best to amuse you perhaps with a happy thought you would like to go and see churchill's new plantation we might go for a drive and join him maurice understood the wife's desire to be near her husband a new proof of that love which had an element of pathos in its quiet intensity i should like it of all things he answered but are you sure you have lunched it was between three and four in the afternoon quite sure i joined mr trevenard at his early dinner clara laura which of you will come for a drive asked madge indiscriminately of the pool-players i know it would be useless to ask you dear lady cheshunt my love i would as soon drive across the neva in a sledge for pleasure i never stir from my fireside except to go out to dinner when the wind's in the east setting aside the discomfort i can't see why one should make a horror of oneself by exposing one's complexion to be rasped as the bakers rasp their rolls the pool players were too deeply involved in their game to care about leaving it unless dear mrs penwin particularly wished them to go out let me come madge said viola and let us take nugent you won't mind will you mr clissold do you think that i am such a barbarian as to object to that small individual society asked maurice he shall sit on my knee and pull my beard as hard as he likes sir lewis dallas asked to be allowed to join the party so the sociable was ordered and mrs penwin and her sister retired to put on their hats she is not looking well said maurice no she is not answered lady cheshunt with more earnestness than was common to that somewhat frivolous dowager she has never been quite the same since that burglar business 
indeed the alarm caused her a great shock i suppose well she knew nothing about the attempt until it was all over but i suppose the worry and excitement afterwards were too much for her the man turned out to be a son of the lodge-keeper and the woman came whining to mrs penwin to get him let off easily and madge who is the most tender-hearted creature in the world persuaded churchill to use his influence with that good-natured mr tresillian whom he can wind round his finger in a whisper and the man got off it was particularly good of mrs penwin for i know she detests that lodge woman really said maurice affecting ignorance then i wonder mr penwin keeps her on his premises now that he knows her son to be such a dangerous character yes it's just one of those absurd things men do for the sake of having their own way i've talked to mr penwin about it myself ever so many times why do you annoy your poor wife by keeping a horrid creature like that i have asked him suppose i know your horrid creature to be deserving of protection and shelter lady cheshunt should i not be unmanly if i were to sacrifice her to a foolish prejudice of madge's he retorts so both madge and i have left off talking about the creature but i must say that it always makes me feel uncomfortable to see her squatting on the threshold in the sunshine like an overgrown toad perhaps i could tell mr penwin something about his protege's antecedents that would make him change his opinion then pray do but is it anything very dreadful murder or anything of that kind asked lady cheshunt with a scared look you make me feel as if we were all going to have our throats cut it is nothing very dreadful perhaps hardly enough to cause any change in mr penwin's opinion i remember that woman plying her trade as a gypsy fortune-teller at ebersham the day before my poor friend james penwin was murdered she in a manner by the merest accident of course foretold james early death dear me what an extraordinary thing and you find her two years afterwards in churchill penwin's service that is very curious the whirligig of time brings many curious things to pass lady cheshunt but here are the ladies they went to the porch where the sociable was waiting for them with a pair of fine bays impatient to be gone it was not an inviting day for open-air excursions but just one of those grey afternoons which have a kind of poetry a sentiment all their own the sombre expanse of moorland dun colour against the grey had a fine effect they took a longish drive made a circuit and came round to the new plantation where churchill was superintending the work seated on his favourite tarpan an animal which had of late shown himself unmanageable by any one except his master and had been the cause of more than one groom's retirement from a service which was in every other respect admirable churchill seemed to have a peculiar fancy for the somewhat ill-conditioned brute though he did not often ride him on account of mrs penwin's apprehensions my dear love he will never throw me churchill said in answer to his wife's request that tarpan should be disposed of if i were not thoroughly convinced of that i would part with him the brute understands me and i understand him which neither of those fellows did and i like his pace and action better than those of any other horse in the stable nothing revives me like a gallop on tarpan wonderful to see the influence of madge penwin's presence on her husband as maurice saw it to-day the moody brow relaxed its contemplative frown the thoughtful eye brightened while a gentle pressure of the hand and a fondly whispered greeting welcomed the wife this is an unexpected pleasure madge he said i did not think you would drive to-day 
i wanted to show mr clissold your new plantation churchill they all alighted and churchill showed them his newly planted groves the graceful feathery norwegian saplings a shipload of them brought from norway for his special benefit rhododendrons planted in between and here and there a mountain ash or a copper beech to give colour and variety while they were walking in the plantation maurice and churchill side by side the former seized the opportunity of speaking of the gypsy woman whose presence at penwin manor was a perplexity to him it might possibly be an impertinence on his part to call in question mr penwin's domestic arrangements but maurice felt that there were circumstances in this case which fully justified a breach of manners do you know that i have made a curious discovery about a person in your employment mr penwin he began indeed and pray who and what is the person asked churchill with the slightest possible change of manner from cordiality to reserve your lodge-keeper replied maurice and then he proceeded to relate the circumstances of his first meeting with rebecca mason mr penwin received the information with supreme indifference curious he said carelessly but i have long since discovered that life is made up of curious coincidences and i have lost the faculty of astonishment multitudinous as the inhabitants of this globe are we seem to be perpetually moving in circles and knocking our heads against some one or other connected with our past lives if i had wronged a man in otaheite twenty years ago it would not in the least surprise me to meet him at seacombe corn exchange to-morrow with regard to the woman mason i found her in circumstances of extreme distress and offered her a home it was one of those rare occasions on which i have indulged in the luxury of doing good with an ironical laugh i knew when i did this that rebecca had gypsy blood in her veins and had led a roving life but i had reason to believe her an honest woman then and i have never found any cause for thinking her otherwise since and this being so i have made up my mind to keep her in spite of the vulgar prejudice against her tawny skin in spite even of my wife's dislike you are not alarmed by the idea of her relationship to a burglar no first and foremost i am not prepared to admit that the man is a burglar and secondly if he be i am as well able to defend the manor-house from him as from any other member of his profession except that he would have the advantage of his mother's lodge as a base of operations and his mother's knowledge of your domestic arrangements remonstrated maurice determined to push the question i have told you that i know rebecca to be an honest woman whatever the son may be come mr clissold we may as well drop this subject you are not likely to influence me upon a point which i have maintained against the wish of my wife so be it said maurice closing the discussion with the conviction that there was some hidden link between the gypsy and the squire of penwin some influence stronger than philanthropy which secured the wanderer's home the fact that it should be so that there should be some secret alliance between the woman who had foretold james penwin's death and the man who had been so large a gainer by that early death impressed him strangely he was thoughtful and silent throughout the homeward drive so thoughtful and silent as to arouse madge penwin's curiosity i can hardly compliment you upon being the most amusing of companions mr clissold she said with a forced smile as they approached the manor-house there was a time when your conversation used to be amusing enough to enliven the dullest drive but to-day you have been the image of gloom black care sits behind us all at odd times mrs penwin he answered gravely be assured i must have cause for serious thought when the charm of your presence does not put me in spirits thanks for the compliment but you talk rather too much like a greek oracle 
retorted madge lightly but with an uneasy look which did not escape maurice's observation there is a cloud hanging over this house he said to himself a trouble in which husband and wife share but it can be no such dark secret as justina's suspicions point to or mrs penwin would know nothing about it no husband would reveal such guilt as that to his wife fifteen for thou wert still the poor man's stay dinner at penwin manor went off gaily enough lady cheshunt inspirited by various light wines a good deal of maraschino in the ice pudding and a glass of curaçao as a corrective afterwards was a host in herself and talked loud enough fast enough recklessly enough to keep the dullest dinner-party going mr penwin was always an excellent host starting fresh subjects of conversation with such admirable tact that no one knew who changed the current of ideas when interest was just beginning to flag never taking the lion's share of the talk or drifting into monologue listening to every one encouraging the timid sustaining the weak and proving himself a living encyclopedia whenever dates names or facts were wanted the gentlemen left the dining-room about ten minutes after the ladies had quitted it to the delight of sir louis dallas and the secret disgust of mr tresillian who liked to prose about stable and kennel for an hour or so over his claret the assembly being merely a household party people scattered themselves in a free and easy manner through the rooms the ivory balls clicking in hall and billiard-room as usual a little group of ladies round the piano trying that sweet bit of schumann's chiefly remarkable for syncopation and little jerky chords meandering up and down the piano and demanding no small skill in the executant maurice found himself in the deep embrasure of one of the hall windows talking literature with miss bellingham who evidently preferred his society to that of the devoted sir louis a good opportunity to find out a little more about george penwin thought maurice miss bellingham must be acquainted with all the traditions of the house if i could but discover what manner of man this captain penwin was i should be better able to arrive at a just conclusion about his relations with muriel trevenard a little later when they were talking of libraries and book collecting viola said there were hardly fifty books altogether at penwin i think when my brother-in-law came into the property the library here is entirely churchill's collection the old squire and his predecessors must have been strangely deficient of literary taste even the few good books there were had most of them belonged to captain penwin the poor young man who was killed in canada ah poor fellow i heard of his sad fate from the housekeeper here when i came to see the manor-house last summer a tragical end like that gives a melancholy interest to a man's history however commonplace it may be in other respects i suppose you have heard a good deal of gossip about this george penwin yes our old housekeeper is fond of talking about him he seems to have been a favourite with people especially with cottagers and small tenants on the estate i have heard old people regret that he never came to his own even in my presence though the speech was hardly civil to my brother-in-law i know that by some of the people we are looked upon as intruders on captain penwin's account he seems to have been constantly doing kindnesses and you have never heard anything against his character that he was dissipated wild as the world calls it never so much as a word on the contrary mrs darvis has often told me that he was particularly steady that he was never known to take too much wine or anything of that kind in fact she talks as if he had been a paragon ah thought maurice these paragons are sometimes viler at bottom than your open profligate 
few men ever knew the human heart better than he who gave us charles and joseph surface i have an inward conviction that captain penwin must have been nice said viola indeed on what is that conviction based on various grounds first there are the praises of people who cannot flatter since there is nothing to be gained by speaking well of the dead secondly there is that shelf full of books with george penwin's name in them all nice books the choice of a man of refinement and good feeling thirdly there is his portrait and i like his face are those reasons strong enough do you think quite for a woman his portrait ah by the by i should like to have another look at that come and see it at once then replied viola good-naturedly it is in the little study yonder the old squire's room the books are there too the study was a little room off the hall maurice remembered it well though he had never entered it since mrs darvis showed him george penwin's portrait on his first visit to the manor-house viola took a candle from the mantel-shelf and led the way to the study a room which was still used for business interviews with stewards or tenants a second door opening into a passage communicating with the offices and obscure backways by which such inferior beings were admitted to the squire's presence maurice took the candle from miss bellingham's hand and held it up before the picture over the mantelpiece his grip tightened on the bronze candlestick and his breath came stronger and quicker as he looked but he never said a word that picture was to him stronger confirmation of his idea about justina's parentage than all the circumstantial evidence in the world there in those pictured lineaments he saw the very lines of justina's face lines modified in her countenance it is true and softened to feminine beauty but characteristics too striking to be mistaken even by a casual observer strange that the likeness did not occur to me when i saw that picture first he thought but at that time i had only looked at justina with the eye of indifference i did not know her face by heart as i do now and i remember that even then the picture struck me as like someone i knew memory only failed to recall the individual those dark blue eyes with their somewhat melancholy expression were so like the eyes he had seen looking at him mournfully only three weeks ago when justina bade him good-bye the eyes which he faintly remembered looking up at him for the first time in the buttercup meadow near abersham he put down the candle without a word i hope you have stared long enough at that picture said viola laughing you appear to find it remarkably interesting it is a very interesting portrait to me why to you in particular because it resembles someone very dear to me oh i understand said viola gently your poor friend james penwin maurice did not attempt to set her right now let us look at the books he said going to the secretaire the upper shelves of which held about thirty volumes all well bound they were valpy's shakespeare wordsworth coleridge byron shelley keats hood and a few other volumes chiefly oxford classics which mr penwin had brought from the university not by any means the books of a man wanting in refinement or culture that they had been well read was evident to maurice on looking into some of the volumes many a verse underlined in pencil marked the reader's appreciation in a volume of byron containing manfred and some of the minor poems maurice found a pencilled note here and there in a woman's hand which he recognized as muriel trevenard's words of praise or of criticism but in all cases denoting a cultivated mind and a sound judgment 
a girl who could write thus was hardly likely to have been fooled by the first seducer who came across her path i wonder who wrote in that book said viola george penwin had no sister and his mother died while he was very young perhaps those notes were written by miss margrave the young lady his father wanted him to marry i should hardly have thought they were on intimate terms enough for that kind of thing true one must be very sure of a person's friendship before one can venture to scribble one's opinions in their books returned viola an hour later maurice left the manor-house he was glad to be alone and free to think over the day's work the idea which had hitherto seemed a little better than a baseless fancy the filmy weaving of his own romantic dreams was now conviction he held it as a certain fact that justina was george penwin's daughter and that it must be his work to discover the missing link in muriel trevenart's story and the nature of that fatal union which had ended in shattered wits and a broken heart god grant that i may find evidence to confirm my own belief in the girl's purity and the man's honour he said to himself as he drove the dog-cart back to borsal end if the popular idea of george penwin is correct he must have been too good a man to play so base a part as that of a betrayer too kind to leave his victim to face the storm of parental wrath unprotected but he was in his father's power and it is possible that he might have had recourse to a secret marriage rather than forfeit the old man's favour and the penwin estate yet if this were the case it is strange that he should have left england without endeavouring to secure his wife's safety that he should have made no provision for his child's birth an event the possibility of which he ought to have foreseen this was a puzzling point indeed the whole story was involved in mystery either george penwin must have deceived everybody who knew him as to his moral character or he must have acted honestly towards muriel there is only one person i can think of as likely to know the truth of the story maurice said to himself and that person is miss barlow the schoolmistress at seacombe my first endeavour must be to find miss barlow if she is still an inhabitant of this lower world he had a good deal to do in seacombe yet was anxious with a lover's foolish yearning to get back to london so he got martin to drive him over to the quiet old market-town early next morning and took care to put up at the oldest inn in the place a rambling old house with a quadrangular yard a relic of the good old coaching days there is no better place than an old inn in which to learn the traditions of a town maurice told himself i dare say i shall find some ancient waiter here who remembers everything that has happened at seacombe for the last fifty years End of chapters fourteen and fifteen